This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty in for Dan Grasso. 1-800-919-3776. Harvey and Joe along the way. We got a short one for you tonight. One hour as we prepare you for what I think is going to be a very interesting contest. Knicks Mavericks. Pre-game begins at 8. Tip, ooh, 8.35, 8.40-ish here on 98.7 ESPN. So we'll talk a little hoops with you, get you ready, get your thoughts on basketball, football, baseball, whatever you want to chat about, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at hardest to ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. This is, a, as I mentioned, is going to be a fascinating game. I'm going to be all embedded <laughs> to see how the Knicks respond. This is a Dallas team that really, for me, should be better than their record. Now, they are great at home at 13-5. and five. So you know what they bring to the table. 18-16 and 16 overall, I would have thought they would be better. Uh, they have a tremendous player in Luka Doncic and what he brings to the table. He's all world. You understand that, you know. Does he have consistent help? No. And I think that's the next step, <clears throat> excuse me, that Dallas has to take for them to really be a threat out West. Now, they're a threat. Okay, they're a threat. But I mean, for them to really be a threat, for you to put them in the same conversation as you do with, you know, Denver and some of the other teams out West, and they're, they're right now just a, a, a half notch to a notch below the elite in the West. If Luka had some help, they would be something else. Now, obviously, they had some help and Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson left there, signed with the Knicks. So he's going to have a return there. That's going to be fascinating, of course. And as I mentioned, always, whenever a player returns home, as is the case with Julius Randle, you love to see how they're going to perform. What I am interested in, too, is how effective Julius Randle will continue to be. Now that Obi Toppin has been out and just reading some things about his um, leg injury, I don't think he's going to be back for at least another couple of weeks. He spoke uh, today or yesterday about giving up an evaluation, and he's still in the still in the early stages of his rehab. So you're not going to see uh, Obi Toppin for a while. That's clear from there. And because of that, Julius Julius Randle's minutes have increased. He's close to 35, 36 minutes a game. Okay, and that's where you start to get concerned. Now, his minutes had been relatively cool early in the season with Obi Toppin getting in games and extending a little bit, once again, depending depending on his play, depending on how he played defensively, depending on what he brought to the table, depending on his energy. Then you had him getting maybe 15 minutes in some games, 16, 17 minutes in some games, which brought the minutes down for Julius Randle, which is a good thing because I always felt that the less minutes he plays early, he's stronger when you bring him in in the fourth quarter when it's winning time, when you've got your guys on the floor that you're really trying to get your starters, the the best guys on your team, you want them to be rested and as fresh as possible, fresh legs, ready to go. And if he's playing 40 minutes a game, 
game after game after game. That's not the case. So he's starting to creep up in minutes, but really his production during that time has been very, very good. So he's been, he's been from a, from a number situation. He's played very well. He's played very well. Numbers wise, little things, you, you know, turnovers, dribbling the ball too much, stuff like that. That's him. It's not going to change. You wish it would, but you know, he, that's the, that's his game. So how is he going to react? Can he continue to play that way? And depending on what's the deal with Jalen Brunson, will now he feel more pressure to have to do more? And that's what you don't want. R.J. Barrett has played very well over the past couple games. Had a 44-point game a couple of games ago. So you like what he's brought to the table. He's starting to find some consistency with his scoring. It's amazing how the start of the season, for the first month of the season, he seems to struggle. Struggle getting out of the box, struggle finding the touch, struggle finding the range. And even though he, like everybody else, went cold in the fourth quarter Sunday against the Sixers, he's been playing better. So you look for him to give you some points and continue to play the way he plays. It's very simple. When you look at this Nick team, what they need to do to be successful is very easy. Very simple. Very simple. It's playing smart defense, closing out on the threes. Okay? Because that's what they have to do. And just moving their feet on defense. And pushing and moving the basketball on offense. Okay, it's okay. Move it. I don't need the first person to come down and handle the dribble and dribble until we're gone crazy. Let's move the basketball, get the better shot. When they play like that, they're a better team. Tempo's better. I like how they push the basketball. So I will be all eyes on this Nick game tonight against Dallas because I believe that if they can find a way to get a win tonight, they have the opportunity on this little Texas three-game swing that will take them to Houston and San Antonio. Uh, they have a chance to go 3-0 and and get back on the winning track. Since they had won eight in a row, okay, they've lost three in a row. So they need to get back on the winning track. All right, they need to get back on the, on the winning track. So this is what they have to do tonight. And once, I, as I mentioned, the game will be right here on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Let's see what Spike is talking about. He's in St. Pete. Spike, you're first on the Dan Grosser Show. Thanks for taking me, Fash. It's so funny. I sent you a long diatribe. We broke down the other Beaver and I, for those who don't know, we all went to City College, and we did the first 34 games. And if you read it, it's exactly what you said. And we came to this conclusion, and I said, I'm going to run it by Larry, so he's listening. Look, you gave me nice props and credit for understanding, uh, you know, they could beat the better teams and they can't beat the better teams. We know what we have here. We have a, somewhere between yep. a 6 and a 10. Somewhere between mm-hmm. a 6 and a 10 seed. That's fine. Five of the teams in the East are seven. Five of the seven, the seven teams are in the East, unequivocally. So what we came up with, we don't have the closer. The guy who may wind up being the closer, and I mean one possession game, no timeouts for the other team, uh, tied or up one, it'll probably wind up being Grimes. He seems like the right guy to come around a side-out curl. I think you'll agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Because 
You can't give it to Randall. Randall's playing fewer minutes, exactly what we did today. We got him down in the right minutes. We just don't have the star to put us over the top. And we need the other ball handler on the floor. We spent 20 minutes going over tape today with that thing as well. And McBride is the best ball handler on the team with Brunson. But they're small. But if it's a one or two possession game in the last three minutes, you can't make yourself vulnerable to the trap where they keep Brunson in, in like a, a, the four guys around him. You've seen it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And he works hard. Like Kyrie Irving works hard to get his shot off. Brunson works hard, too. And that you play. So it takes a lot of starch out of you. Everybody can handle the ball a rebounds the ball on the team except one, and that's he's out now. And Obi, you know, he cheats, he uh, leaks out. So yep. he's not he's not long for the team. I love the kid, but Thibodeau won't take that. You leak out, you you know. I, I never liked the guy that leaked out, and I like Obi. He's got a big smile. Seems like a good kid. So I think I was right yesterday, and I'm anxious to see this too. Listen, I'll give Tim Hardaway credit, and I'll tell you, I was all over him, and you know that. I yes. didn't like the $72 million. He's a one-trick pony, but he can shoot, and he's a street shooter. I'll still, to my grave, whenever that comes up, I'll say his daddy was a better shooter oh, than I so play. Right. So let me leave you with this. Well, yeah, look, if we finish sixth, it's, it's, uh, they're better than Atlanta now, and Trey Young wants out. They're not as good as the top five team. Not even close, because they don't mm-hmm. have the closer, the star. Right. And I'm not talking about Damian Lillard or a guy. You know, I'm not talking about a superstar. I mean, a guy like J.J. Reddick, you know, could make a side out off of a crow with no timeouts in three seconds. We don't have that guy, so you got to work for it. I just want the Knicks to keep the turnovers down, because it was an anomaly on Sunday. They had very few turnovers, but... You know, and Bede rose to the occasion. That's why you pay those guys. They're the yeah. greatest. Oh, and then I watch Jokic. I know you have a short program. I could do an hour how how good he can pass. <laughs> I've never seen a guy pass like that at that size. Yeah. Thanks for the time, Larry. All right, Spike. Thanks for, for the phone call. He is a phenomenal passer. He's got great hands. He's got great vision. And that's part of the reason why he's always in the running for MVP. He's always going to be one, two, or three in the MVP voting. He always will be. Because of his size, his ability to pass, his his ease of hitting the three, and his ability to be dominant in the painted area. So, and Embiid is, like I said, maybe a half notch below. Maybe a half notch. And a lot of that is you know, availability. But when he turns it on, Embiid, as you saw Sunday, <laughs> he's tough to stop. He is tough to stop. And so, yeah, that's what the Knicks have. That's what the Knicks are right now. Can they be better? Well, we'll see what the front office can do. We'll see if the front office, front office can find a way to upgrade some of the talent during the trade deadline, if they can. But like I said, I've said previously, they just have, you want them to be honest to themselves. They have to be honest. Even though this team is playing very well right now, coming off an eight-game winning streak, and, you know, it's ebbs and flows in your NBA season. If you win eight in a row, you're not going to just, you're not going to continue to win. That That's rare. You're going to have a couple of games where you're not going to win and you have to get back on track. But you have to realize that the team is better but still needs improvement. 
And so you can't fall in love with, oh, you know what? Hey, we just, maybe we just need to tweak something here or there. No, no tweaking. You need to get another player or two for this team if you want to be in that top five in the conference. It's just like they were number four in the conference and you're saying, oh, we're number four. We're good. We don't have to do it. We'll just get another shooter and we're okay. No. That four wasn't the true four. <laughs> that four wasn't the true four. You have to be honest. And the thin line is you have to be honest, but you also have to realize you don't want to disturb the chemistry that you have with the players that you've got now. So it's, a, it's not easy. It's a thin line that you have to walk. If you want to relive some of the Michael K. Show 20th anniversary, you can catch the unplugged segments on the ESPN New York app. How? Just download the free ESPN New York app. You mean you have it? Well, download it now. Scroll down to the unplugged tile and enjoy episode one live right now. It's brought to you by our friends at Jackpocket. Play official state lottery games like Powerball and Mega Millions on your phone. Download the Jackpocket app and get your first Mega Million or Powerball ticket free using code ESPN. Must be 18 or older to play. Hey, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and they need help, it's very simple. Here's what you do. You call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. We'll continue the Don Grasser Show next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Once again, top of the hour, we'll turn our attention to the Knicks as they head to Dallas to face the Mavericks. And the one good thing about the Knicks, which is it's weird in the sense of normally they've been when they were good. Consistently good, that is. They were a really good at-home team, right? They were a team that you didn't want to come into the garden to face them because they were so much better at home. Of late, including this year, they seem to be better on the road. As a matter of fact, the Knicks have the second most road wins in the NBA at 10-6. and six. That's one behind the Celtics. And so once again, since they've been, they're going to be away for three games, I think... <laughs> I think it's a perfect opportunity for them to get back on the win track. I really do. And and it's just, they just seem to play less pressure or less. I don't know what it is exactly, but they seem to function better on the road. It's wild. It's wild. Last night, the Nets continued their winning ways and they have been, they've won nine straight. They've been, just dominant. They've been mulling and rolling over their opponents. And last night I had the chance to speak with Christian Winfield, who covers the Nets for the Daily News. And he talked about the distractions, what Jacques Vaughn has been able to do since he's come in replacing Steve Nash. So once again, after the game last night, Jacques Vaughn was asked about eliminating distractions and is that what you wanted is that what you want to do? All season, if you can. I don't think we make it as complex as that because then you're looking too far ahead. Uh, I think we can try to anticipate some things. A good coach always tries to do that. But I think overall, you know, it really is that simple that each day we're trying to gather as a team and think how can we get better. I don't think I've burdened the guys with extras, not for my sake, for it to look prettier than it is. It is a as simple as we're going to try to get a win that day and not going to change that anytime soon. Now, have you emphasized playing without distractions? 
It was without a doubt as part of it. And we stressed that, that when we came back as a group, we kind of pledged to each other that it was going to be about basketball and hopefully not let anything interfere, any outside noise interfere with that. And our guys have done an unbelievable job of protecting each other and uh, making this thing about basketball. All right, so when did this emphasizing no distraction start? I think our shoot around in Washington was kind of the precipice of that and uh, me getting up in front of the group and being as vulnerable as I could be and explain the situation and really telling them that I'm going to try to be as consistent as I possibly can with you every day and as honest as I can and I'm going to always do what's best for the group and guys really appreciate that I think and have really grown to understand it, understand our ways and uh, we really create an atmosphere of basketball. And winning helps. So whether it's the reason, whether it's uh, just happened to be great timing, whatever the situation is, the team has taken off and they're playing better and they're winning. And they're playing to the talent level that a lot of folks thought they would with the talent they have on this team. They are still a championship contender and a, and a prime team to come out of the East talent-wise. Now, they've had trouble with Boston. And Boston has been been unbelievable so far. And we'll see what happens when the time comes down the line. Because it's about injuries, it's about personnel. I think the Nets are going to make another move with the deadline. So we'll see what happens with them and how well they will be prepared when they get to the postseason and get ready to challenge to come out of the East. It's going to be fascinating. Kevin Durant, uh, he has a, he was talking about the turnaround was not removing distractions. Here's KD. I felt like we always been focused. I felt like we don't even talk about some of the stuff that may have been loud around our team. Like, I had so many friends. It's like, yo, Kay, you all right, man? What's going on? Like, man, so much craziness going on with y'all. But I'm like, seriously, it's not really that crazy. Like, we don't talk about this shit. We come in and go to work and go home. Like, there's more noise on the outside for us, to be honest. And it's been like that since day one. But what we did was simplify both ends of the basketball, shored up our roles individually. Coach shored up our roles. It's pretty much letting us know each day what we what he needs from us and I think that's been the focus you know so it's not like man finally we got the noise out of our locker room and now we can play I just think we always been locked in on on basketball and trying to get this thing back on track okay so KD knows his locker room better than I do so I'm not going to challenge him there I will just tell you from having been in locker rooms for gosh I'm approaching four decades yes playing the game is your sanctuary from the distractions. That's what it normally is. Whenever there's something going on outside the team, no matter what the sport, athletes look to get on the field of play, whatever it is, and play the game. And playing the game and focusing on on what you have to do, preparation for your opponent, and all those things, those are the things that take the distractions away. But when the distraction is part, when the distraction is not outside, but actually inside concerning one of your players, one of your teammates, it's hard to separate the two, right? It's hard to separate that distraction when the distraction is inside the locker room. It's easy to do it when it's outside the locker room. Oh, we're losing and people are talking about this and they don't know what they're talking about and so on and so forth. Yeah, you're right. That's true. 
And that is a sanctuary normally. But when things are happening right there and it causes changes in your personnel where now you're, you're battling injury and now you don't have your top players and now that affects how you play and how you prepare and who's available and the frustration of not winning when you know your team is better than what it is. I think it has an effect. I just do. I think it has an effect. Generally speaking. Now, once again, it might be different. And as I said earlier, KD knows his locker room better than I do. I haven't been in there. But other locker rooms and other experiences have, have showed me that it can be a distraction. No matter whether it was a distraction or not a distraction, the bottom line here is the Nets are one of the hottest teams in basketball. And they are playing the way most people thought they should play and expect them to play. And Jacques Vaughn is a main cog in that because he has, as Christian Winfield mentioned last night from the Daily News, he's held them accountable. Players can hold each other accountable, but you need a coach that holds you accountable too. And that's what he's been able to do. And it looks like it's been a very, very successful merger. The question is, of course, how long will it last? 1-800-919-3776 is Hardesty Pagrasso on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. I got to tell you, I'm really excited for this week in the National Football League because you've got, and I heard the guys talking about it a little earlier, You've got the Jets and Giants in position. Giants in a little better position than the Jets. But you've got both local teams in position where you're playing for your playoff lives and all you have to do is win games. Okay? Even though the Jets will need help, it doesn't start. Nothing starts until they win the games. And the same thing with the Giants. They can punch their ticket as early as Sunday. All they have to do is win a game at home. And that's the best place to be. You always want to be in a position where you don't have to rely on yourself. That you can just go out there, win the game, Handle your own business. Need nobody's help. And continue the role. That's what you want to do. That's what the Giants are able to do right now. Julian Love was asked, are you thinking about the playoffs when you meet the Colts on Sunday? We're all grown men in, in this building and on this team. We understand what this game means. We win and we're in. I think his approach has been great because he, he lays it out. Obviously, we know what we have in front of us. But don't go get outside yourself. Don't do some stupid shit, uh because of the increased ramifications. Just stay true. And that's why I think he's not even mentioning it because he's just treating it like another week, a week that we have to really get after it. And the he is Brian Dayball. And Dayball has been consistent. We're not in it. When we get in it, we'll talk about it. We're not in it yet. Yeah, they're thinking about it. Of course they are. You're playing towards it. Obviously, you're thinking about it. 
But are you really focused on it? Are you focused, focused on it? No. Is it the priority? No. It's not the priority. Preparing for your opponent, making sure you're ready to go, understanding the game plan, those are the things that are important to you. And along the way, if you stack up enough wins, you'll come into a situation like week 17 where you have a chance with a win to move on to the postseason. So I think really, aside from how well they played, surprisingly, and we've talked about it a lot, I just think that coaches handled it very well. Coaches handled it the way it's supposed to be handled. He hasn't done it Belichickian style, but he's been firm in his own way, and he's been consistent with this team. And that's what you always wonder about when you have a first-time head coach who's been the coordinator in many places and has been had a number of experiences around the National Football League. But you always wonder, how is he going to be as a head coach? What's going to be the philosophy? What's going to be the approach? What's going to be his mindset? How is he going to make sure that guys get what he wants done? And how does he hold them accountable? How is he, as pretty much you figure, an offensive guy, right? How does he handle this team? How does he handle a team coming off working with the quarterback with the talent of Josh Allen? And now look, we remember Josh Allen this first couple of years. He wasn't what he is now. And give Buffalo credit. They went out and they brought in Stephon Diggs, so they increased the talent around Josh Allen. Along as he increased his talent and awareness and ability to handle the game plan, they went out and got talent to complement him. Okay, so how was how was Debo going to handle come here with the Giants with a quarterback that doesn't have the same skill set as Josh Allen, even though they both run the ball very well? How does he handle this team and make them understand and make them successful based on what he brought to the table? So these were the things that you were wondering when, when, you, when he came in. And so from a coaching standpoint, and everybody has agreed, from a coaching standpoint, he's been tremendous. And the one thing that he's done that you don't see done a lot now, because we hear about it all the time. Okay, you can't, you have to be careful how you deal with today's athletes. You have to be, you know, you have to talk to them. You can't yell. You can't be abusive. You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to kind of be their friend and be warm and fuzzy and whatnot. Brian Dayball is anything but warm and fuzzy. If you've seen him undress his players on the sideline, anything but. Okay, anything but. And so that's him. And you, you always wonder when a coach has not been a head coach before and they're responsible for everything that goes on the football team, all three phases, instead of just one side of the ball, you always wonder how will they make that adjustment? Can they make that adjustment? Can they bring and convince the players in that locker room, no matter what position they play, that my scheme, my game plan, my philosophy 
on winning games in the National Football League will make you a success. Right? That's the big thing. That's what all players want to know. That this coach cares about me. I had several players uh, with the Jets some years ago when the previous coach was there say to me, I know this coach doesn't care anything about me. Nothing. He doesn't care nothing about me. He doesn't care whether I live or die. And so when you have a player think that way, it's hard. that's one player that's not going to be <laughs> giving it his all, right? There's one player that's, that's going to be, well, you know, listen, I don't have the confidence that this guy is going to take care of me, take care of me physically, put me in a great position to, make, to, to play well, and to help this team win. And that's how, that's what a new head coach has to deal with, especially one that, no track record. So you can't look at him and say, well, he's been a head coach here because players talk around the league. So what can we expect from this guy? You had him, what, what was he like? What was he, was he good? What was the practices like? What was this? What was that? No, guys talk. <laughs> guys do their own scouting. So, they want to know. And if you don't have a track record, it's it's a tough situation for you as a head coach to make sure that you have people and make people be able to to win people over. That's what I'm trying to say. You gotta be able, you gotta come in strong. And you have to let them know that they're gonna be held accountable. And that's one thing that Dayball has done. He's let them know that they are being held accountable. And it's worked. As is evidenced by the fact that they are with a win on Sunday in the postseason. With a roster that many people felt was two, maybe three wins at best. Hey, man, coaches matters. Coaching matters. I don't care what the sport is, coaching matters. It just does. It really, really does. We'll continue the conversation on the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, I talked about one of the local football teams that has playoffs. We talked about the Giants. Let's talk a little bit about the Jets. And I'm not going to I'm not going to mention and I'm not going to deal with the quarterback position because all we do is talk about the quarterbacks. So I'm going to talk about some other things that must happen in this uh this week for this Jets team. And it's going to be about coaching, and that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with coaching. I'm going to start with the game plan. I'm going to start with understanding where this team is and preparation for this team. Okay? Because on a couple of occasions, this team has come out lackadaisical. This team has come out not ready to play. This team has come out just flat. And you have a game in Seattle, which is, even though the 12th man is not what it was in the heyday, you know, when Russell Wilson and that great Seahawks defense was rolling the way they were, it's not that. But they're still a very, they're a, they're a tough team in their building. 
And yes, I get it. That actually, much like the Knicks, the Jets have played better on the road. But it's going to be, if this Jet team is going to win the game on Sunday, honestly, it's really going to be about the Jets' defense. Yes, we know who's starting at quarterback. Yes, we know about the offensive line issues. Yes, we'll address that in a second. But ultimately, ultimately, it's about the Jets' defense. The identity of this Jets team is their defense and their ground game. And so defensively, and listen, for the most for most of the season, this Jets team has been, from the defensive side of the ball, they've been phenomenal. Have they made mistakes? Absolutely. Have they played to their best all the time? No, they have not. But they have been the reason this Jet team is where they are right now. And if they're going to win these last two games, it's going to be as much about the defense as it is the offense. Because I'm not sure what I'm going to get from the quarterback position this week. I don't know. I don't know how long Mike White is going to be starting. I don't know. I don't know his condition. I don't know how healthy he is. Just because he got cleared to play, to take contact, does not mean that he is 100%. And he will look a little puffy around the midsection with a flak jacket that I'm sure he's got to wear to protect those ribs. And because of the offensive line, you're really... You're hoping that he can get through this game. And you don't, and you're hoping you don't see Joe Flacco. Because the way he's looked his past couple of outings, you don't want to see him. So it's really about this Jet defense making sure that they give the Seahawks threes and not sevens. If they have to put points on the board, it's gotta be threes. But it's discipline. It's communication. It's not making those dumb mistakes that sometimes they make. It's not, it's not roughing the passer penalties after you, you're about to get off the field on third down. It's about getting off the field. It's about not allowing a 96-yard drive when special teams has pinned the offense back. It's about playing fast, and physical. That's what this is about for this Jet defense. And they have to perform. They have to play well. Once again, if this Jet team is going to have a chance to win on Sunday. It's about getting turnovers like they've done previously. Haven't done it in a couple of games. It's about getting that turnover. And listen, Geno Smith has had a fantastic year. He's been better than anybody expected him to be other than himself. Russell Wilson was gone, and it was like, oh, man, they left him with Gina. <laughs> What's going to happen there? He's played very well for them. But he does turn the football over. And so it's up, it's up to Jeff Ulbrich and his staff to put this defense in position to make some plays and help out the offense. Because, once again, you don't know what the offense is going to be able to do. You have no clue. Over the past couple of weeks, they've not been able to run the football. Part of the reason is the offensive line. The other part of the reason is because teams understand, listen, 
They can't throw. Put a bunch of guys in the box. We'll stop them. And it's changed. It's changed. Now, you expect, with Mike White in there, there might be some different changes, different philosophy, different schemes here. But once again, I think it's incumbent upon this Jet team defensively to make sure that they go out and set the tone for this game. And coaching-wise, I think they've done a better job in adjustments compared to the way they were last year. We talked about it. No adjustments, some adjustments, sometimes to make adjustments. I think this year they've done a much better job at making adjustments because you see things change from the first half to the second half. However, right now, in this situation where you're in must-win games, uh, you don't have time. You have to change. you got to make adjustments quarter to quarter. <laughs> play to play. Possession to possession. You're, you have sacrificed and have put on hold any hope of trying to see or trying to resurrect or trying to fix or rehab or whatever term you want to use. You have put that on hold for your, for your second-year quarterback. And you've said, listen, Sit down. We've got an opportunity to get to the postseason and we're going for it. And I know there's people who agree and there's people who disagree. But if you are, you're a veteran in that locker room and you've witnessed the inconsistent play of the starting quarterback for this team, And you see the difference in energy, even and confidence, even from the coaching staff. When Mike White is in, and you and the, around the locker room, you know that you feel a little better about your chances when White is in, and Wilson isn't. So if you're Robert Sala, you don't have a choice. You cannot lose your locker room over an inconsistent second-year quarterback. It was the right move. Probably should have been made earlier, but it, nevertheless, it was the right move. And so now you have that opportunity on Sunday to go out and get that win. Of course, the offensive line's got to play better. Obviously, the offense has got to do better. you got to put points on the board to win. I get it. But for me, this is about the defense setting the tone early and making sure that Seattle understands it's going to be a long day at the office. And it would be nice for special teams to check in as well. <laughs> It would be nice to get a return for a touchdown, right? It would be nice. Would be nice. That would be that would be that would be cool if they could join the party. <laughs> that would be cool. But we'll see what happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be an interesting game. As will the game that we will have on our air at the bottom of the hour. It's the Knicks and it's the Dallas Mavericks and 
I'll come back and end this this program where I started. Then I would love to see the Knicks kind of do the same thing. It's to come out and show what they're able to do. They cannot. And this is a personal thing for me <laughs> as a Knicks fan. Not as Hardesty ESPN host. This is Hardesty Knicks fan. You cannot have Tim Hardaway Jr. come out and have the game he had tonight like he had at the Garden. That's unacceptable. If Lucas scores 55, I'll deal with it. I'll live with it. But he can have no help. And you have to minimize all the, as Shaquille O'Neal says on TNT, the others. You have to minimize the effect of the others. Right? That's what you have to do. Because in the NBA, one doesn't beat five. It's what happens when you double Luka and other people hit jumpers. It's what's happened when you pay attention to him and have to, because he's hot and he makes moves and does things to get other people involved, that's when you have to really watch what happens with him. That's when the problems come into focus. So I'm curious to see how Tibbs is going to defend Luka tonight. Obviously, uh, this is about closing out because, you know, you double him, there's wide open threes around. The Knicks have to do a really good job at closing out on the three. So hopefully tomorrow I'll be smiling with a Nick win in Dallas, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It should be a very good game. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grasso Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, up next, as I mentioned, Pat O'Keefe, he'll give you the information. Will Jalen Brunson be able to go? What's happening with him? Will he be able to play? That is a key situation as far as I'm concerned, because where does the scoring come from to help out Barrett and Randall if there's no Brunson? And who's going to be the floor general to keep people in control, especially if this is a tight game in the fourth quarter? Pat O'Keefe has all the answers for you. Harvey, Joe, thank you very much. Up next, it's the Nick Pregame Show right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.